Jill, what's your take? Uh, my take's quite similar to Steve's. Uh, I think the really interesting thing is when this is happening. Number 10 is confronting both managing the pandemic. The Prime Minister in two weeks' time will have to decide whether we come out of lockdown on December the 3rd. He's confronting even more quickly whether to go deal or no deal on these Brexit talks which are going on in the background. Michel Barnier is tweeting pictures of him walking around Regent's Park this afternoon. So Prime's got very big decisions to make. The absolute last thing he needs is his internal, as Steve says, closest policy advisors melting down around him, uh, rec- you know, recriminations flying, rows going on. Number 10 is a pressured environment at the best of the time. The people in number 10 who work very, very closely together, I and mean, physically very close together, need to be working as a functioning team to support the Prime Minister through those incredibly difficult decisions. And you can't believe that these are in- this is a conducive environment to sensible decision-making. So I think it reverberates well beyond the walls of 10 Downing Street itself. Steve, there are plenty of people in Downing Street who are uh, clearly and demonstrably successful at campaigning and winning things. Are there enough people in Downing Street who are good at running things? No. And uh, it's very interesting with Boris Johnson, although on one level a sort of exuberant extrovert character, is in others introvert. And he doesn't know that many people in the Tory party or outside that well. The group he did get to know quite well, only quite well, were this Vote Leave gang who he worked with in the referendum and brought into number 10, Dominic Cummings most famously, and gave Cummings huge amounts of power, much more than, uh, in my view, Alistair Campbell had under Blair, for example. Um, And so in there, you have a group of people who still live on that campaign that they won, that they think was a triumph over the elites and so on. Let's forget about that argument. Um, But with very little experience of how to govern and uh, Lee Kane being a classic example. He was a very junior figure, uh, plucked out of um, sort of Boris Johnson's entourage via vote leave in the Foreign Office into a prominent position within government. And one of the things I think most Tory MPs would agree on is that communication during the pandemic has been terrible. But as Jill says, they've also got this huge Brexit decision to make. They've already made several with implications for government. Um, and yet they, they they still think, I think, in terms of campaigning and winning and beating people and beating institutions, not how to govern. Jill, how can Downing Street get out of this? Well, I think as the Prime Minister has other staff, um, notably as sort of civil servants there, as the Cabinet Secretary, so hopefully they are trying to steady the ship while there is rows going on between some of these political appointees. But what the Prime Minister really needs to do is to sort out his Downing Street operation and put it onto a sustainable long-term basis. And I actually think that the fact that he seemed to offer Lee Kane the Chief of Staff job as a compensation for failing to work out the rather obvious take that Allegra Stratton as the face of the government's media operations would want direct access to the Prime Minister and be quite a big player in her own right, that he offered him the Chief of Staff job as compensation shows how fundamentally the Prime Minister doesn't get how to organise governing. 
uh, in previous administrations, we've actually had really quite useful figures uh, under Tony Blair, Jonathan Powell, under David Cameron, Ed Llewellyn, were quite useful figures who could bridge that sort of administrative political divide for prime ministers and uh, keep both sides working in tandem. And I think the prime minister really does need someone who can do that. It's very far from clear that Lee Kane appointed some sort of knee-jerk reaction to being a bit unhappy about the way things had turned out was the right move there. So Prime Minister does need to think, what team does he need around him to enable him to govern for the longer term? And at the, you know, in the short run, you basically just want them all to sort of you know, get back and just work out what on earth we're going to do in this immediate phase. You're not going to bring those new people in straight away. I think one of the things that you do need to happen, and it is quite interesting, some of the uh, some of the briefings about what's been going on in Number 10, is Number 10 does need to examine what it's done well, but also what it's not done so well. Some of it's communications, as Steve says, but some of it's just as policy chopping and changing. It's quite difficult to communicate well when you're not sure for one minute whether you're actually absolutely opposed to free school meals for kids during the Christmas vacation uh, or whether you're going to do a dramatic U-turn and not only do it for Christmas, but for Easter and beyond. So it's the, it's the policy zigzagging that actually makes the communications a nightmare as well. So number 10 really needs to sort its whole operation out. They've got Simon Case there as Cabinet Secretary. He needs to give advice. He's seen how functional number 10s work. So Simon Case needs to actually tell them what they need to do to get their number 10 show political and administrative back on the road. Thank you both, Jill Rutter and Steve Richards.